Good morning and welcome to Spencerville Sabbath School. We are glad that you are here with us. And I hope that you got to already watch the uh, introduction video that, that Dr. Hazel, Frank Hazel and I uh, did together. And uh, the, the, that gave you some insight into what we're doing. Uh, Frank is one of the authors of this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. And so he is also a member of the Spencerville Church, and so we get the privilege of meeting with him. Since he's grounded due to the COVID-19 uh, virus, they're not having the GC uh, uh, employees travel anywhere. And since I'm grounded, since I'm always here anyways, it works <laughs> out. And uh, so we are going to be looking at the lessons uh, from week to week together, as long as hopefully this is going on. That's right. And, and we'll, we'll hopefully you'll be blessed by this. I know that I'm already blessed. We've been having conversation off camera, and it's been a blessing uh, to me. I want to tell you about two things. One is I want to tell you about a resource for the Sabbath School lesson. Just a reminder, you can get this uh, by clicking on the link that we have on our Facebook page or um, just going to Amazon and searching it yourself. There is a companion book, and a companion book comes with every single Sabbath School lesson, and this one is How to Interpret the Scriptures by Frank Hazel and Michael Hazel. They are the two authors of this quarterly's lesson and also of this book. And so you'll want to grab this. There's insights in this book that are not in your quarterly. So uh, please uh, go ahead and grab this. And then uh, I'm not going to make uh, Frank do this. I'm going to promote his book because I had the privilege of pre-reading this pre-publishment, and uh, this book is called Living for God, Reclaiming the Joy of Christian Virtue, and I was deeply moved by this book. Uh, there's some very, I want to say that I really appreciated your honesty within there. Even he talks about uh, Michael. <laughs> Michael and some uh, jealousy that he had with his, with his cousin at one point in time, and now they're working together, so that's, that's good. Right. But but just the honesty of this book and, and virtue, virtue is a word we use, but he goes into it at a deeper level. And you can get this at the Adventist Book Center and I'm sure at Amazon, Amazon. as well. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to encourage you for that. I will tell you that this might be, not might, it will be one of the books that I give away. I give away books to our congregation on a regular basis or at least once a year. And I'm sure that we will be purchasing this and giving it away to our congregation as a thank you to them. Uh, living for God, reclaiming the joy of Christian virtue. And I think you'll be blessed by the depth of it, but um, maybe like me also, your heart will be very touched by the honesty of it. And it made me feel like I could be more honest with some of my flaws even as I read it. So thank you for that. Oh. So a little couple plugs. And now we are going to get into our lesson, uh, the uniqueness of the Bible. And again, this is just a conversation between two people. And so I want to encourage you to uh, study the lesson on your own. Get your lesson, get your Bible, and go through uh, the quarterly lesson on your own. And then, of course, if you have a Sabbath school class, like some of our classes here at Spencerville are meeting in Zoom groups uh, so that they're, while they're physically distanced, they can still socially connect. Uh, uh, we'd encourage you to do that if you're in one of those Sabbath schools. But this is a this is an added bonus for you and for maybe some of you that are in, this, in the world and in our nation that are not able to connect with people in that way. Uh, we pray that this will be a blessing to you and that you can uh, 
um, that God will guide you as, as we do this. And Frank, I'm going to ask you to pray for us sure. as we begin this lesson to uh, study together. Gracious Lord, we invite your presence now that you guide our thoughts and the conversation and that we can gain a deeper understanding of your word and, um, and appreciate it even more. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're talking in lesson one about the uniqueness of the Bible, Frank, and, and what I want to ask you to do is I want to ask you to kind of give, uh, give a, an, a summary outline and then let's dig into a few parts a little deeper. Can you do that? Well, we'll see. Okay. okay. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, if you look at the Bible, you'll realize that the Bible is indeed a unique book in many different ways. And uh, this lesson looks at different aspects of this uniqueness of the Bible. Uh, the Bible is unique um, because it's not just a human book. Yeah. It is written by human writers, but uh, ultimately we believe God is the author mm -hmm. of the message that we find in the Bible. So that makes it unique. But uh, the Bible is unique that it was written by many different people. Uh, who lived in different times, in different continents, in different cultures. And yet, when you There's read... There's a it, unity. There is an amazing unity in those 66 books yeah, yeah. that uh, you would not expect to find uh, anywhere else in literature mm -hmm. if people were to write on, on any, any such uh, thing. So, so that makes the Bible unique. It, it has an appeal, I think, not not just to a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. You can read it as a child, you can read it as an old person, you can read it as an academic, or whatever it is, you know, and you will find the things in scripture that a child can understand, and even uh, a doctor will marvel to, to fully grasp. Yeah. And so that, that makes it unique, I think, because it's a book, and that is my experience, where you never learn and never stop learning. Well, you, you have a PhD, right? Or I have a PhD. You have a PhD in systematic theology. That's right. And so, I mean, your life has been consumed with studying the Bible. Yes. I have a 10-year-old, I have an 11-year-old son now, but when he was 10 years old, he read the entire New King James Version all the way through. Wow. At 10 years old. Wow. And loved the Bible. But that's that point of... You're a few years older than my 10-year-old son, yes. and you're still learning, and he's learning as a 10-year-old. Yes. It's accessible to that broad of, of spectrum. And that's, that's the beauty. You will never exhaust the book. Yeah. <laughs> and even though you will, you will find things that are more familiar to you, mm -hmm. if you read it with an open mind and with uh, the willingness to learn more, mm -hmm. you will find beauty uh, in that book that, uh, that you didn't even see in the first time. Uh, or the second and the third. Let's continue. So it's unique because it actually is the divine inspired word of God. It's unique in who wrote it, uh, where they wrote it, and when they wrote it, and that even though it's over this huge expanse of time and so many different authors, there's still a unity to, yes. to the book. Now here, here are two other things where I think the Bible is really unique. It has to do with history, and it has to do with prophecy. The Bible is a history. And let's slow down here, and let's dig into this one a little bit more. Okay. Uh, but let me let me just okay, yeah, let, let me just uh, finish that thought, okay, and then we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll dig a little deeper. The Bible is also a historical book. It has many references to historical places, to uh, 
to uh, times and, and uh, people, uh, and it's grounded in history. Mm -hmm. History is important to all of us. History is, is, uh, is the stuff that our existence is made of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our stories are told in history. And the unique thing about scripture is uh, that you have in scripture something that only God can give and provide, and that is prophetic insight. Mm -hmm. And uh, it tells you something about world history and things that have not happened yet mm -hmm. that give us perspective on things and help us to, to interpret reality around us. And I think that really uniquely um, shows the trustworthiness of scripture because you can see where the prophecies have been fulfilled mm -hmm. as scripture has foretold. And it can tell you um, that God has a purpose in all of this. It is good. Now, of course, the largest prophecy of history that we think of as Adventists is Daniel 2, of course. Daniel 2. Let me, before we, we go okay, to Daniel yeah. 2, let me, let me just add a final thing yes. where the Bible is unique, okay, really. Okay. Yeah, and that is on a, on a more practical level. Yeah. This book is unique like no other book that I know to change lives yeah. for the better. It, it, it provides you with values that you didn't have before. Mm -hmm. it, it gives you orientation. It can make a drunkard into a, a positive person. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. can change the language you speak. It yeah. can change the, the way you dress. Yeah. It can change the honesty and how you do your business. Mm -hmm. It can make you a, a different person. And, and, and that just, to me, is amazing. It is. And it's a blessing. And we're going to come back to that. We're actually going to share personally a little bit about that. I want us to, to, to come back to that and finish, and finish when we finish this study together with that. But I, I want you to really dig into this aspect of the connection between prophecy and history. Okay. And, and the importance of really everybody, not even just Christians, but everybody... Um, Benefiting, from, Benefiting from that from yeah. that aspect. Well, uh, let, let me start with uh, the the prophecy and the historical okay. part. You have many different prophecies in the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the prophecies are really amazing. This this last quarter, we've studied uh, the biblical book of Daniel. Yeah. And in the book of Daniel, you have some amazing uh, prophecies, like in Daniel two. You mentioned that. Yeah where uh, God gives uh, Nebuchadnezzar and then mm -hmm. through Daniel the interpretation of how world history really flows from the time mm -hmm. of uh, Babylon and the Babylonian king up to his second coming, basically. Yeah. And if you look at history and see how everything has been fulfilled, just as scripture has said, it gives you confidence that the last part that has not been fulfilled yet will also uh, come true, mm -hmm. as scripture has predicted. And to me, this, um, because scripture really interprets itself. I mean, you go to Daniel 2, and you have the dream, and then you have the explanation what mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, you go to the other chapters, and they, they unfold it even for, uh, more. And to see that scripture gives you a perspective that nobody else really could have had. Nobody, no human being knows the future. Who would have known just a couple months ago that there is a virus by the name of COVID-19. None of us. <laughs> it didn't even exist. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, we, we, we really, we, we come to our limits when it, when it comes to knowing the future. Yeah. Only God can know the future. And he has revealed graciously some things, not everything, not yeah. every detail. But the things that are important 
for his people to know and to prepare, he has uh, told us in his word. So that is nice. Now, many prophecies in the Bible focus on the person that really is the center of the whole book, yes. and that is Jesus. Amen. And, uh, and if you look at that, uh, I think the Bible is unique from any other religious book that I know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in the sense that it has predictions in the Old Testament of the Messiah mm -hmm. who is promised to come, where he will be born, places like that, yeah. and that you do not find in the Quran or in any other book. In, in fact, I think Unpack that, what you mean, so, so people can, you're saying, you're saying that, that uh, the Quran, uh, the Bible doesn't speak of Muhammad, but the Old Testament speaks of. Exactly. Of Jesus. So in, in, um, in John 5, I think it is, let me see here. Verse 46. Uh, Jesus says, for if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus says, Moses wrote of me. Yeah. Now, uh, that helps us to identify who the Messiah is. Yeah, yeah. Anybody could claim to be the Messiah. Yeah. But if it doesn't uh, fit the criteria that the Bible themselves gives, yeah. we, we, we would not know. So the Bible really tells us who Jesus is. And, um, and I think that is something that no other religious leader or figure can claim for himself. Yeah. And it makes Jesus really unique because it's a unique book. Yeah. It is. It is uh, it's a wonderful connection there. Um, I, w I want, there's, there's really two questions that I have with, with this. I want to start with, a, with maybe on the negative side. How do we avoid trying to force history into prophecy or vice versa? Do you know what, do you understand what I'm saying? Like right now, I've already had people say, well, where is COVID-19? In the Bible. In the Bible. You know, and you're seeing some things out there that people are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't have some of these things that are going to be the case, yeah, but, yeah. but how do we avoid that danger? Well, I think we, we, we can, that's a good question. I think we, sh we can avoid that danger by giving the Bible the opportunity to explain itself rather than reading newspaper news into the Bible. Okay. Uh, so the Bible interprets the newspaper, not the newspaper interpreting exactly, the Bible. Exactly, exactly. We, we, we have to start here, and we have or to... Or the website, since I don't know website, how many... Yeah. I still read, you know, <laughs> Washington Post, right. but I mean, some other people yeah, may that's not. Yeah, right, so. that's right, that's right, that's <laughs> right. But the website, you know, is even a greater challenge, because you have all kinds of fake news yeah. out there, mm -hmm. and people trying to come up with some strange interpretations that really are without substance, or just... Uh, um, strange and off of the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I think if we allow scripture to tell us the important things, we will, we will not be tempted to, <laughs> to read every little detail uh, that is happening and uh, give it a, a, a biblical interpretation of sorts. And 
I don't know if this is in this lesson or a future lesson, but I think it's in a future lesson, but it's probably worth mentioning here. Uh, no scripture is open to individual, right? I mean, that's, that's what the scriptures tell us. That we're not open to, scripture's not to be interpreted really individually, but as, as a community, isn't it? Well, well, everybody can interpret the scripture individually, so it, it, it doesn't remove that. Yeah. But at the same time, should be God, tested within but the... God also has given us uh, the church. Yeah. It has given us the fellowship of other believers. And with that, also the insight and the experience of other believers. Yeah. And uh, sometimes people are driven by new light, what they call new light. Yeah, yeah. And, and they think that they are the only ones who, who see a certain interpretation. And I think God has given us uh, other fellow believers. Um, and he will lead them into new light as well. Yeah. And um, if, uh, if they don't see it, then uh, it should make us cautious, you know, and, and, and reluctant to just uh, proclaim anything that has um, come to our mind. Come to our mind, yeah. 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 I guess it's true because we as preachers always, you know, we, all, we hopefully interpret the Bible too somewhat individually, study that and don't just borrow from everybody else, yeah. but are led by the Holy Spirit in that. Um, now let's, I want, to, I want us to just take this still in this history and prophetic connection, but, but this historical side. And, and will you speak to, Frank, the power for, powerful, uh, the power for even the communist or the unbeliever yeah. in, 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 in the need to, to engage with this book and yes, the significance yes. of that? And that's also something that makes this book unique. Yes, oh, very much so. You know, I, I think the book... Even if you're not a believer, even if you're a communist, as you say, yeah. the Bible is worth reading. Yeah. Why? Uh, I'm reminded of uh, an incident that I heard from the Czech Republic, who was communist for many years, and when it opened up uh, and uh, had the revolution there, the, the, the silent revolution, um, the uh, Bible Society in the Czech Republic went to teachers in public schools and introduced the Bible to them, communist teachers that had no clue about the Bible. Mm. Why? And the reasoning went something like that, and it made sense to me. They said, you know, if you want to understand Western culture and important literature and music and things that have grown in Western culture, you cannot do that without a fundamental knowledge of, of the Bible. You know, many beautiful pieces of music have the Bible as a foundation or the words mm -hmm. of the Bible. So if you go to, to Handel's Messiah, it's a, a beautiful, beautiful music. Mm -hmm. But the words come from Scripture. Yeah. And if you don't know the Bible, you can't even appreciate um, the, the, the depth of, of, of that. And, and, and so I, I think anybody who is interested and wants to be knowledgeable of things yeah. should at least give it a try and uh, see that the Bible can be a blessing to understanding reality around us. And I also think that um, if you read the Bible with an open heart, and with an honest mind, that you will realize something that I call the aroma of truth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, you realize that this is not a fairy tale book. This is, 
they are talking about real things. The way they describe human nature, the way they yeah. describe my uh, who I am, uh, the way they they talk about the world and the need of redemption and salvation. There is something to it that touches the heart, yeah. just as. The music, you know, if, if you listen to Handel's Messiah and the Hallelujah, no one, I think, no matter whether you're a believer or not, will be untouched by it, will be touched mm -hmm. by, by the beauty of it. And so if you read the Bible, I think God... It's almost impossible to not be affected in some way. Well, yes. I mean, God does, doesn't, doesn't force. force he yeah. never yeah, forces yeah. anybody. That's the beauty with mm -hmm. God. But, mm -hmm. uh, uh, of course, it's uh, important. It's possible to resist uh, the word and, yeah, yeah. and not believe it, and everybody has the freedom yeah, to yeah, do yeah. so. But, but I think if if you give it a chance, you will see that the Bible does something to you. Uh, it itself authenticates itself in 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 your heart. You, if you want to know, Jesus says, the truth, the truth will set you free. Yeah, and and you will experience something where you say. This really is true and uh, is worth putting my trust in it. Well, it's like you say, though, there's a, there's a aroma of truth to it. Uh, I, I was mentioning your book at the beginning, and obviously we don't want to put your book on the same level as the scriptures, but, but I talked about the thing that touched me was the honesty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and when you read the Gospels, and, and even all scripture, you see an honesty that... that If you, an autobiography, autobiographies are not often as good as biographies because <laughs> autobiographies are, are a little, uh, they have some slant of what and, they want to see. But, but the Bible, even in the autobiographical sections, they, exactly. they just pour out their aspects that you would, and, and culturally, I was, you know, I'm studying the words on the cross right now in our sermon series, and, and how many times women are mentioned as so important, you know, yes. at the foot of the cross. And it's like, that would never be accepted culturally in exactly, that day. Exactly, and yet exactly. it's so honest, like you said, yes. aroma of truth. And, and the honesty comes through on many different levels. It's not just that, um, that you have the feeling they are, they are really talking the truth. When they talk about their heroes, you know, every, every culture has his own or their own heroes yes. in the Bible as well. But you don't just have a glorified picture of the heroes. Yeah, you yeah. have the real yeah. The good and the bad. Yeah. And this honesty, I think, tells you something about um, the quality of that book because it's not just a glorified picture of David yeah. or uh, any other hero in the Bible or yeah. Moses. You will find that the same leaders and, and heroes of faith had their weak points and their... Uh, their, their their skeletons, if you yeah. want, in the, in, and and the Bible doesn't doesn't ignore that, but is honest enough to mention that as well. Because I, I think you know that ties into something I read here in the lesson that you all wrote. Um, uh, it's on page ten of the reader's edition, page nine of the teacher's edition. It said, the Bible is not merely the philosophical thoughts of a human being like Confucius or Buddha, but it records God's acts in history. And this is the key right here, as they progress toward a specific goal. Mm -hmm. and, and you can see that if the goal was to create a hero, then they would write it differently. But, but they allow their flaws to come out because ultimately the goal is to help people understand 
exactly. who we are in our relationship to Christ or in our relationship to God. And if you read that, it, it's so much easier for you to identify because yeah. you see, oh, that person was also struggling with some yeah, things. Yeah. You know, it was not just a, a saint and, and perfect in every respect. And so that gives you hope. They were inspired to help us. Exactly. Not the goal is to help us grow in exactly. in our relationship with God and to yes. be better yes. uh, servants of Him in this world. Yes. yes. To prepare for His kingdom. And so, yeah, yeah. so that goal in mind is that that I think it drives that honesty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's also the amazing thing. If we go back to multiple writers over uh, such a long mm -hmm. stretch of time, mm -hmm. sixty-six books and all this, mm -hmm. how that connection there is is that goal runs throughout, yes. you know. Yes. Folks, if you can hear the, we are in an area where we get a lot of helicopters and military things and stuff, so, so if you hear that coming through, we, uh, we apologize. Don't worry, we're, we're safe here. Um, so that is, that is a good, uh, a good um, aspect of things. Will you touch on, on the significance of, in your lesson, you spend a, uh, there's a there's two paragraphs of the significance historically of the resurrection, and now some people may say, well, I understand the significance of that, you know, but but probably not everybody does. So so this is a a a central to our faith. Uh, I don't want to say more than the cross, but 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 literally, Paul talks about it ratifying the cross in in many ways, right? So yes. so so unpack that that component. Um, well, it, it, it doesn't and never can replace the cross. Yes, of course not. What, what Jesus has done there. But without his resurrection, what he did on the cross would, his void. would, would, would be missing. Yeah. It, it, it falls short. Yeah. So his resurrection really brings it all together. And uh, therefore, it is so... Um, so significant. Paul says uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 and in other places that the resurrection is the most important uh, aspect because if we, if we don't believe that Jesus really rose and is alive, Easter is coming up soon, yeah. you know, where the Christendom remembers that fact that Jesus is alive. And that is the beauty because he really hears we believe he is in the heavenly sanctuary where he is able to intercede, to give us the help that we need in mm -hmm. our struggles, our daily struggles. And because he was, uh, he became human, he become, became one of us, he knows what it, what it means to be a human being. He, uh, he, he faced the same struggles and temptations and yet he resisted. So he knows what kind of help we need. Yeah. And he is able to deliver. And he will not let you go. And so um, were he not alive, he, he would have been a, an interesting person. He would have been, would a, have been a nice... It would, a nice uh, it would have been one of these other religious books yes. that, are, that obviously have power in people's lives and lead them in ways, but there's no true connection. There's exactly. no response from the God. Exactly. And think about it. If, if he were not alive, he could not come back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the whole idea that the Bible talks about so many times that, that we have this hope and this expectation that he will return. That, that's one of the, the things when I read the scriptures is that, is, and, I, and I speak of the scripture speaking to me, I mean it in a very literal sense because 
God's speaking through those because he is still alive, and that's also a uniqueness of the word, that God is actually continuing to dialogue with us through those words, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it gives, it gives power and context. My, my sons, we were driving here today. I have my three boys there in my office uh, listening to some Bible stories right now. <laughs> but uh, we were driving here today, and my, my, my middle son asked, when we go to heaven, will we be able to talk to God? And he was, I think he was meaning like face to face. But before I could answer, my youngest son, seven years old, said, of course, because we talk to him every day now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that only is in the context of the historical reality of the resurrection. Exactly, exactly. And, and again, it goes back to that whole idea from a seven-year-old to, yeah. from a child to Now see, an adult. the beauty is a seven-year-old can know this. Yeah. And yet you, as a grown-up, think about it, and there are dimensions yeah, that's just that are beyond our comprehension. Yeah, that's just so powerful. Yeah. I love that about the word. Okay, we're going we're gonna to start to wrap this one up, but I want to go to um, the, the transforming power of the word. And, and this is obviously one of the unique things. Now, let me ask this question, and, and hopefully I frame it right. Um, we have free will and free choice. Mm-hmm. We believe in that. But does the word just on its own have transforming power or does there have to be a level of belief? And what I mean by that is I've read the Quran, I've read the Book of Mormon, some interesting things in these books. Uh, not all, I haven't read the entirety of both of them, but I've read significant chunks of them. Interesting things. But because there's no belief in me, I don't even, it doesn't impact or phase any of my daily yeah. life. Yeah. Is it the same for the Bible, or does the Bible have the added dimension that, that just because it's the Word of God, it has the power to change? Well, that's that's a complex question, but let let me let me try to respond. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, but but let me try to respond that way. Understanding the Bible is more than just uh, understanding the words that are written mm-hmm. there. Anybody can read that. Mm-hmm. Y- even a non-believer can read it and can understand the words. Mm-hmm. But when we read and interpret the Bible, we want to to go deeper than that. <laughs> It's not just that we read the words and understand the meaning of the words. We want to apply those words to our lives. Mm-hmm. We want to, to, um, to give the words the opportunity to even change our lives. Yeah. Now for that, you need faith. You know, if without faith, without the belief that there is a God, if, if you don't give God the chance to, to, um, to that this is a possibility, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you can read the Bible for as long as you live, yeah. and it will never have the transforming power, yeah. because something is missing. Because with God, it's not just a matter of intellectual reading and understanding, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's... it's uh, the words want to be embraced. Yeah. 
They yeah. want to be followed. They want, I love that idea. They, they want to be embraced. Yes, and, and I think this is, this is the invitation that God sends out. That's why he has given us the word. Yeah. It's not just to, um, um, to satisfy our intellectual curiosity yeah. and uh, our historical knowledge of things. It's more than a history book. It's to embrace us, have them embrace and change us from the inside out. But, but a willingness to, to, to give it a chance to be true, yeah. uh, to see that this could even mean something for me. And am, am I willing to follow that? Yeah. Am I willing to change? Am I willing to give God the opportunity to really um, make an impact on my yeah. life here? And that, I think, when we come to that level, we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's why we need prayer when we read the Word of God. Yeah. Now, anybody can read it. And yeah. I think God works, works on any person. Yeah. And every person will get a, a fair chance. But then you, you come to that point where you need to, have, uh, you need to make a decision. And, and that's, I think, where faith kicks in and where we, um, where we need that. Because uh, the writer to Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to, to please, please God. God. Yeah. Let's close on this aspect then of taking it from the uniqueness from a broader perspective down to the uniqueness in your life and my life. So I, we're going to each, uh, I forewarned him on this, so uh, but we're going <laughs> to... Still thinking. <laughs> we're going to each share uh, a brief story. I just wanted to share a quick story, each of us, about how the word has transformed our life. I think, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Mrs. White here, Ellen White here, when I believe she wrote, the greatest evidence of, of, of God is a, is a changed life and a transformed heart. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so um, let's, let's give our own evidence to the scriptures. Sure. And you, you wanna go first and then I'll go, or you want me to go, do you want? <laughs> uh, um, I'll go first. Okay, go. Oh, fine. Um, here, here's a story from my own life, and I'm, I'm, I'm very open. I'm opening up here now, yeah. on a personal level, but that's fine. It's just you and I, Frank. That's There's just uh, well. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes in life you face situations that you. Um, wish you would never experience. Yeah. And uh, some of these uh, things that you're confronted with in life and reality can be really tough. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes you don't have uh, an easy answer for that. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to pain and suffering and even death. Mm -hmm. And when you're confronted with uh, these type of realities, then um, this is where the Word of God really has, uh, has, has been a blessing to me and a source of strength and even joy. So um, about 10 years ago, I lost my wife. She had cancer, breast cancer, and she didn't survive that. Now, to lose your spouse is tough. Yeah. This, is, this is not easy. It's not as easy as it looks. And, and if you go through that, you, you have all kinds of questions uh, that come to your mind. And, and one of the things that you're confronted with when you lose a loved one is that you feel very insecure. You never know how you will be able to, uh, to, to face even the next day or week. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to look too far into the future because mm -hmm. it's scary. And 
to me, the Bible has become a source of strength mm. and, uh, and hope that I did not find in any other book and literature. And I love to read mm -hmm. uh, good literature. And, and there is one passage that became especially meaningful to me, and it's found in the book of Lamentations, mm -hmm. chapter 3, where it says, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. Mm. They are new every morning. every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, therefore mm -hmm. I will trust in thee. Mm -hmm. So um, that really has become um, my experience. Oh. As uh, painful as the loss and, yeah, and yeah. everything that goes along with it is, even more amazing to me has been that the Lord's loving kindnesses are new every morning yeah. and they never cease. And he gives you strength to carry on even when you don't see how to do that. Yeah. And I, I found that that hope and that strength and that consolation in, in many, many promises in the Bible. And I'm, I'm just eternally grateful for that. That's powerful. I feel like mine's a little trivial now compared no, to that no, grandiose no, thing. No. I'll share it because I, I want to share, you know, this is, you're talking about a, a, um, cultural change at a whole level, I mean, in your life, I mean, losing a spouse and losing someone you love or losing a child, as I know some that are watching this have gone through, mm -hmm. and, and, and the power of the word to, to, to just get you to the next day. Mm -hmm. um, mine was more kind of just a practical lifestyle change that I, that I would share with. When I was a freshman at Union College, I grew up... Uh, going out to eat on Sabbath. I didn't know people didn't go out to eat on Sabbath, I'll be honest with you, because where I grew up, and I won't condemn any part of the country where I grew up, but where I grew up, <laughs> you'd, we'd all show up at church on Sabbath and you'd, you'd sit with a pastor maybe. I don't know, you just, it, was, it was part of what you did. So I didn't really even know, and I was a freshman in college at Union College, and I was in the cafeteria and I was talking about, it was a Friday afternoon at lunchtime, and I was talking about where we were gonna go eat after church. And another theology major overheard me. And that, later that afternoon, I got this phone call. And he called me up uh, and said, hey, can I come up to your room? And I said, sure. And I never even had really talked to this guy. Mm -hmm. And he comes up and he sits in my room. He's a senior. I'm a freshman. And he starts sharing with me. He said, have you ever read Nehemiah 13? <laughs> and so he starts sharing with me about how, you know, the people are outside and, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Nehemiah says, you know, if you keep buying and selling on the Sabbath, mm -hmm. I'm going to lay hands on you and all this stuff. You know, he didn't threaten to lay hands on me, but he just said, you know, you should read it. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was, and I, at first I was wondering, and then I, and then I said, well, what is this? He goes, well, I overheard you today talking about what you're going to do tomorrow after church. And it suddenly dawned on me. And I thought to myself, whatever, you know. Okay, and I, I smiled, I was respectful, kind of. You know, this is my days of like bleached white hair and, uh, or two-tone hair, three-tone hair, whatever it was, and pretty brand new, uh, really true follower of Jesus. And again, this is the first I ever heard or anyone had ever talked to me really about not going out to eat on Sabbath. Jump ahead uh, about two years later. Didn't stop going out to eat on Sabbath. Jump ahead about two years later. I, dated, I was dating this girl. She didn't go out to eat on Sabbath, so we never went out to eat on Sabbath. We then broke up, and so I started going out to eat again. And one day, I was at my dorm, and I got back after church, and I got a message from saying, hey, we're all meeting at this restaurant. 
And so I jumped in my car and I was driving to that restaurant and I was pulling into the parking lot. For those of you who uh, are familiar with Southern Gun Barrel, uh, <laughs> and I was pulling into an old uh, uh, a Mexican restaurant, Rio Bravo, I think it was, or whatever that was there at the time. And, and I was pulling into this restaurant and Nehemiah 13 popped into my head in conjunction with the stranger that is within thy gates. Mm-hmm. And my heart was convicted. And I turned around. And later people were like, where were you? Mm-hmm. And that was the end of me going out to eat. But it was like that word, that seed that was planted. And it, it just jumped into me. I'm so glad that you shared that experience. Because it shows me that the Bible is powerful on many different levels. And sometimes we also have to, um, to give people time. Yeah that things of the Bible sink in, you yeah, know, yeah. and God will open up that uh, at a later stage. Yeah, I've, I've never been one to condemn people for going out to eat because, again, it was a whole two-year-long process for me, and I honestly didn't even think about it yes, 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 until yes. just I'm yeah. driving into this parking lot, and it pops into my brain, and I said, I don't feel right about this, and I just turned out, and then that was, mm-hmm. that was the change in there, but... But yeah, so, so we have things that, that can change a lifestyle. We have things that can get you through hard times and, and the word of God and, and everything in between. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and the word of God can, has the power to transform yes, in that yes, way. So yes, yes, I thank you, Frank, for uh, doing this study with us. And uh, we thank you for joining us. And I know I was supposed to, I think I was supposed to keep it at a half hour. We went a little bit longer than that, but I don't think anyone will complain too much. And uh, we want to thank Dan Weber and Jason Lombard for their help in making this all possible. And we pray that you'll be blessed as you study your lesson uh, this week and continue to grow in understanding and interpreting God's word. And we will see you next time. God bless.